1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to talk about what love does as a tool. What love does as a tool. Because uh, when we start talking about um, love, we can have this almost kumbaya kind of thing regarding love. What is, what is it? What does it do? So here's an interesting thing about this 1 Corinthians 13. Paul is talking about all of the issues going on in the Corinthian church. I mean, you've got some people having communion, not having any wine to drink, and other people who are wealthy getting drunk, really. I mean, you had so different kinds of problems in this church. So right there, after 12, Paul inserts this love chapter as almost this remedy for everything that's going on. So love is a practical tool. So if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or clanging symbol or a clanging symbol. So the gifts are no good, right? The gift of tongue is no good if you don't have love. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So what is love? Love is the greatest good. It's the greatest good that one could do. What love is looking to do the best for someone else with nothing in return. That's what agape love is. It's having a person's welfare at hand. Now, understand one thing. Someone doesn't have to love someone to like them. Like is maybe having different interests with someone. You don't have to have that. You don't have to be bosom buddies, buddies for you to love them. But if you love someone, you have their best interest, their future at hand. Now, someone who loves someone will use love as a tool, will sacrifice themselves. I mean, and we know Christ demonstrated, God demonstrated his love for us that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if you love someone, it doesn't matter the differences that you have with someone. You will still want the greater good for that person. You know, right now, we live in an era where people can't even sit down and have a conversation with people that have differences. You know, I posted something on my uh, Facebook page this morning about this uh, black guy who was attacked when he was 10 years old by the Klan. And he said, he, oh, they would say, oh, we hate you, throwing stones at it. And it just, it blew his mind. He was saying, but you don't even know me. Now, this guy, what this guy actually does, this guy sits down with the clan, grand wizards, you name it, and actually uh, persuades them into giving up hatred. 
listen to this. He has over 200 uh, clan outfits, gowns, even from grand wizards of the clan. He sits down with them in love and he explains his position. And that's what we are to do. This is a greater good. You might not like that person. Of course, it's very difficult to like someone that hates you, but you still want to have the greater a desire for the greater good for that person. For example, now, no Christian should actually say that they want to see anybody go to hell. We should want every single person to go to heaven. Regardless, we should. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they represent. The highest living is loving. And so what are we to do? How does this love okay? How does it how 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 do you use this this tool? It's by having this intent of love towards every single person, regardless of what they look like, what they've done, and what am I talking about now? I'm talking about we've been filled with the love of God. So I am talking about looking to see other people the way that God does. That's what we have to do. Looking to see other people the way that God does. I'm making the sacrifice. See, these people in Corinth, now their behavior, I'm sure, made a lot of people in the church fall. If you love someone, or if you are loving, you have to be careful of the way that you conduct yourself. We can't make rash decisions. You know why? Because other people are watching. Other people can fall due to our conduct and our behavior. You know, <clears throat> you know, this was before I was, as I was uh, sat at my desk, just as I, was, as I was about to come and stand here, God just brought to my spirit this movie, I, and I'll never forget this. It was James Cagney, and in fact, I'm, I'm when I'm when I'm done, I'm gonna actually uh, search out the name of it. It's been a long time, but James Cagney was one of those old uh, twenty, thirty Edward G. Robinson kind of guys used to playing uh, gangsters, used to playing gangster movies. And anyway, there's this movie where he is a gangster and he's about to go to the electric chair. And there's this famous priest, if you saw him, I know his name is Pat, Pat something in real life, but he was in a lot of those black and white movies as a priest. And he goes to James Cagney. Now there's a group of kids in the neighborhood. They idolize James Cagney. They idolize him. And they're all talking, oh, you know, he's going to go to the chair. He's going to take it like a man. He's not, and back then, uh, a lot of people, there was a phrase, oh, he's not yeller, meaning he's not a coward. Yeah, oh, he's not yeller, yeah, yeah. And I forgot his name, it was something like Bugsy Moran or something like that, his name in this, this movie. Yeah, he'll take, and this priest goes to see James Cagney, and the priest says to him, I don't know if, if anyone saw that, the priest actually says, yeah, to him, he says, you know, these kids, idolize you and I know 
I know you're not going to give one bit of ground. I know you're great. And the priest, I, you know, it's, I'm so touched by it. But when the priest asks, says to him, he says, can you show that you're afraid? James Cagney almost gets insulted. This is all he's got. What? Are you kidding me? I'm not yellow. And I know you're not. I know you're not. But just to save these kids. Because they're going to go down the same path as you. He said, oh, no, no, I'm not going to do that. This movie, the next day, I'll never forget it. And I remember as a kid crying. And even now, I'm so touched. He went, and it was like, oh, no, don't kill me. Oh, please, don't kill me. Don't kill me. The only thing he had was his reputation. But he sacrificed it so that those kids would not go down the same direction. That's love. A greater good. The only thing, he could have been selfish. No, no, I'll show the man. And back then, I mean, gangsters were really defiant. You know, really, take me to the chair, that kind of thing. You know, tough. But many of those kids would have gone down, down that road. Yeah. And the thing about this, the way he did it, you could see it was so exaggerated. He was trying to, wipe out this idolatry that from these kids' mind that they have for him, this worship, there is yelling. It was so, I never, ever, ever forgot that scene. It was so touching. That's love. That is sacrificing something because at that point, all he had was his reputation, right? He was going to die as a cow. And all of the kids afterwards, ah, yeah, he was nothing. He was a coward. He was this and that. And right then, what has he done? He shattered that image that they have of him in their mind. None of them are going to want to go down that same direction. Never forgot that. I thought it was such an incredible demonstration of love because that's all he had, those last moments going to the chair. And this is what we do. This is what love is about. It's about sacrifice. It's about living for something bigger than you. And because you want the greater good for people. Paul said that we are fools for Christ's sake. Paul went through a lot in his ministry because of the love of God. Love, you know, we can all make rash decisions. But when you sit back and you think about it, Hey, wait, you know, hey, wait, a lot of people could fall because of that decision. And this is what Paul is trying to get them to see it because there were wealthy people giving this away, giving, not in love. It wasn't about a greater good. In fact, many people give things away. So it's like, look at me, look, look at me. Many, many people give. I remember years ago, I mean, decades ago, when Ted Turner was the first person to give a billion dollars away back then, wow. It was pretty called a press conference to tell everyone that's not how you give her away in love. That's saying, look at me. What is he doing? He's giving a billion dollars away to get PR, to get publicity. No, that's a, when you give her as Christ says, so that what the one hand doesn't see what the other one is doing. And 
can God who sees in private reward you openly, right? This is love. All of this was all about boasting. Many people boasted, look, I can speak in tongues. I'm trying to lord it over the ones who couldn't. People were boasting in prophecy. Look, I can prophesy. You know, these, they were using uh, uh, their gifts as weapons rather than tools. And love is the greatest tool. It's our greatest tool. I'm telling you something. You have such a great peace, such a great delight when you are making decisions for something bigger than yourself. We've always got to ask that. And as I said, that movie came to me today. And here's another one then, more recent, as good as it gets. Jack Nicholson, this guy, if anyone's seen it, he was, he didn't like his gay neighbor didn't like him, didn't like the dog. The gay neighbor got robbed. Jack Nicholson came to this guy's aid. He took care of him, gave him money, made the guy couldn't afford to live in the apartment uh, complex. And Jack Nicholson was wealthy. He was a writer. Jack Nicholson made a space for this gay guy in his place. Before, Jack Nicholson was making fun of this guy, all of these gay jokes, until the guy got into trouble. All of this guy's friends left him. They all left him, and Jack Nicholson took care of him. This is love. Really, this is love. You know, I am looking, of course, at one time, I didn't like racists, but you know what I'm looking at? Here's what you have to look at. Don't look at anybody for where they're at. Try to understand people's journeys, really. Try to understand how people got to where they got to. Try to understand, hey, if you were in their shoes, how different would you be? This is what we have to look at. This is what God does. Try to understand. I remember someone uh, uh, saying to me, this is a, a pastor a long time ago, oh, look at the Israelites. Oh, God did this for them. And, oh, they failed again. They fell again. They fell again. They fell. And I was wondering, this pastor, well, what about you? I mean, it's very, it's very easy for anyone to say that when you're so far removed. But how would you have performed in the same position? We don't know. And this is what we call grace. This is what we have to look at. That How would I? And Paul says, anyone who thinks he stands... Listen up just in case he falls. What is this message about? It's about us having love and tolerance for each other. If a guy can go and sit down with the clan, and these clans are so surprised, and that's part of the power, is that this guy is willing to that, oh, call him names and all of that. The guy does not care. He's still talks with them they be, in fact he's good friends with a lot of them you don't know what people have been through and this is why we have to show unconditional love this is what jesus showed to the woman at the well these people were not they were lording it over each other show love look where he says then love is patient 
Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. You know what arrogance does? Arrogance is a wall that causes us to resist change. We got to get rid of that wall. Really, once you get rid of arrogance, there's so many other fruits that actually come. And is the key what you have to do. Don't look at what another person is doing. Look at what yourself is doing. It's between you and God. You and God. Only you are going to be there standing up in front of God. And it's okay. Listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you this right now. Nobody is wrong. You know why nobody is wrong? Because everybody has got a story. Even the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, you don't know how they were hurt. You don't know how they were hurt and you've got to, and here's the thing, here's what you have to see as well, is that, yeah, you may not like the fact that hatred, hatred, but when someone gets hurt by a group of people, and then, and of course it occurred, occurred much younger, and then, an interpretation comes, right, regarding, an interpretation comes regarding that experience. And then from that interpretation of that experience, an ideology comes from that. An ideology comes from that. That's what we have to understand. And in order to win people, they have to see the love from our heart. They have to see that we are concerned about their welfare and their betterment. And I was so impressed. I read this article. Please read it. I posted it on my site about this guy. And I was actually saying, wow. You know, wow, we have this attitude of, oh, they're on that side. We're on this side. No, as Christians, we are to take this loving attitude into the entire world. Really. I want to be a better lover. I want to be a person that sees people in a neutral way. And you know, one thing that that does, it takes away a lot of moodiness. It takes away a lot of ups and downs. It takes away a lot of fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Really, what we're doing now, we're living in such a way where we gravitate towards people that we like. We gravitate towards people there are easy, clearly a black man doesn't gravitate, uh, doesn't on a, uh, you know, a regular basis go to Ku Klux Klan cookouts, right? But maybe that's what we should be doing. And the guy was even saying, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, kind, of, it, it, it's, it's kind of crazy that members of families because of the political divide can't sit down with each other. We have to look at this thing differently. So what that somebody is difficult? Do you know their story? Do you know? It's just like what Jesus said when he said to those guys who are about to start stone that woman. Essentially, that's what he's saying. Do you know, do you know her story? And then he said, then he said, those who are without sin, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. I don't recall any stones being thrown that day. This is what we have to understand. We have to see people. And I just say this as a counselor, I have seen and I have a, a heart for people who've gone through a lot of trauma. And the people who've gone through a lot of trauma need a lot of patience. We have to see people from 
uh, a bigger uh, uh, standpoint than ourselves and what he's doing to us. We have to see them from God's perspective, from God's vantage point, the decisions that they have made, the mistakes that they have made, and be patient with these people. God will give us the grace. We need more understanding. We have to come out of our comfort zone. Typically, you know, people people stay in a goldfish bowl. Okay, this is my circle, and that's it. Yeah, really, this is my circle, and that's it. It was common people in where I grew up in England would go to the local pub. I'm going to say local pub. There are other pubs a little bit less local that they wouldn't even go to. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not for me. That, it was so tribal and so clannish. We got to get out of that. God is expanding our territory. Yeah, will we be hurt? Ask God for his soothing. God's love, I'm telling you, it puts out all of the irritations, all, it, it heals all of the scars, all of the scabs that we have on our soul. Really, this is key. Walking in love is real victory. When we do that, we live better. Really, we live. And so many, I've read so many stories about those people coming out of different kinds of, uh, of hate groups. Even the, uh, uh, the Palestinians that were uh, uh, terrorists and, and um, this guy, um, a, a lot of those uh, guys when I was growing up were um, IRA bombers. As when I was growing up, there was conflict between England and the IRA. A lot of them got out and said, you know what? It's, it feels so much better not to be carrying this toxic waste called hatred. So let's ask God, God, expand my heart. Love will cause you to understand people. It will cause you to be patient with people. It will cause you now to go an extra mile with people. It will call you to get out of your comfort zone for people. But you know something? Let me. When you are loving, there's no such thing as an uncomfortable zone, really. I don't care if you are in Buckingham Palace. If you're not loving, you're uncomfortable. Really. It's that love of God in our heart. And remember this as well. People are more important than the issue. So one thing, one great thing that I have seen in my life is that God gives me messages from things that occur. Really. And it's, a, it's awesome because you learn and you grow from it. And there's no better growth than loving, really. So let's embrace this love as a tool. And remember, it's this greater good. People think, well, there's love, there's feeling, there's kumbaya. No, it's a commitment to want the best for someone. It's a commitment to want the greater good for someone. It's a commitment. Say, so when I make decisions, I've got to remember these decisions can affect other people. Even just thinking like that, it causes you to feel better because we were never meant to live for ourselves, ever. We were always meant to live for something bigger than ourselves. And that's the thing. Remember, when you make a decision, 
when you make a decision, there are other people that can be affected by that decision. There are other people whose life can go down the drain because of that decision. And it's love to say, well, I'm going to sacrifice this decision and grow from this, really. You know, there's no such thing as comfortable loving. Ask Christ. He died on the cross for it. So really, we have to love regardless. And I'm just praying for the grace for all of us to love. Really, it's a great life once you are really walking in the love of Christ. And that's the epitome of the fruit of the spirit. That's a baskets and baskets and baskets and baskets of fruit where you <laughs> are loving. And that's where we should look to go. Here's what I'm going to say. Take away in this is this is remember the Christian life is not static. You still have a ways to go and understand also is that this is reflexive. When you are loving, the benefits of that come back to your heart. Really. I've never, ever heard anybody escape from a hate group and say, oh, yeah, yeah, this love doesn't work for me. I'm going back to it. I've never heard that. Really. I've never heard that. Heard people actually talk, I should have, if I would have known, I should have got it. In fact, actually, one thing I've seen about hate groups is when people get out of them, they are so committed to bring other people out of them. Have you noticed that? They are so, so, so committed. And so we are in a love group. We are in a, we have to remember that. And we should be committed to love and show others how to love. Let's start growing more in love. God is going to bless us. What we have to understand, the blessings from God come by being obedient to God and doing the things that God wants us to do. No greater command than this, to love our brothers, sisters, whoever, greater more than we love ourselves, right? No greater love than this for a man to also lay down his life for his brother. And of course, Christ is our example. So let's start loving. Praise God. Mm -hmm.